Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading in the book of Numbers. Last time we read Numbers chapter 20. Now Numbers chapter 20, in that we had the death of Miriam. And then we had Moses striking the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. And then we had the death of Aaron. Now we're ready to read Numbers chapter 21. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, the south country, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim, the route traveled by the spies sent out by Moses, he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed hand over these people to me, then I will utterly destroy their cities. The Lord heard the voice of Israel and handed over the Canaanites. Then they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of the place was called Hormah, dedicate to destruction. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the branch of the Red Sea called the Gulf of Aqaba to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient because of the challenges of the journey. So the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, nor is there any water, and we loathe this miserable food. It is almost unthinkable to us that they would feel this way, that God has brought them out of captivity, out of slavery, and yet they turn right around and they complain about the challenges of their freedom. We see this today, though. We see this with people today, still the same. They complain about the challenges they have in their freedom, in the journey of this life. Note also, God is supplying them with manna that all they have to do is go and gather it, and they loathe this miserable food. That's how they refer to it. They complain that there's no bread and no water, and yet every time God makes sure they have what they need. He really makes sure they have more than they need, but they are not really perishing or going through hard times when they're following God. Now, when they rebel and complain, that's another story. Let's continue on from here. Then the Lord sent fiery, burning serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord so that he will remove the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent of bronze and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten will live when he looks at it. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on the pole. And it happened that if a serpent had bitten any man when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. So I want us to see here that the people are complaining, yet the Lord has been taking care of them all along, but they are still complaining over 
everything. It seems like they complain about everything. And here they're complaining even about the food that he's given them for free. Really no effort. They just have to go out and pick it up. So the Lord sent fiery burning serpents among them. But I want, you, I want us to pay close attention to the cure. The cure is very symbolic of Jesus. And Jesus mentions this himself. That they put a bronze serpent up on a pole. And they lifted it up so that anyone who was bitten didn't say that he turned away all the fiery serpents right away. But said if anyone was bitten, they could look to that pole and they could live. That pole was a symbol of God's forgiveness for what they had done. Because they knew, they said, we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. So, in their complaining, and, and we do this. I mean, we complain about our lives. We complain about things when they get difficult. And our life is in no way difficult like it would have been thousands of years ago. But these people saw the miracle of God every day. They were following the Lord in a cloud or in a fire, uh, uh, a pillar of fire. They were following him. They were seeing this all the time. And so I, it, it amazes us that they see those things and that they still complain and get into trouble like this. We, we complain. And we get ourselves into trouble by complaining, but we don't, we don't have those kinds of signs to see. We don't have that. We're following the Lord really purely on faith, based on the miracle of the Word, the Bible. That is what we are believing in. We are believing in the Lord based on His Word in the Bible, which means we're believing in the Bible. We're believing that that is God's Word. And that he has miraculously passed that down to us so we would have something to follow. Now that, that is the one miracle we have in our hands that we can see and read and study and appreciate. We don't get the miraculous food, but we do see the miracles in this world that God has created all the time. And it's dismaying to think that people would believe all this just happened by accident, it just, oh, it was just, it just happened. It was just random chance. It's very hard to believe in that. Nonetheless, so this is a symbolic reference or precursor to Jesus dying on the cross and being lifted up on the cross. And when we look to him, when we look to him, we are saved. We look to him, we are forgiven. When we come to him and repent and pray, just like they we we have, they came to Moses. Moses was their contact to God, with God. Jesus is ours. He's our high priest and everything. And they they came to Moses, they said, We have sinned. We you know, please pray for us. When we pray to God through Jesus in, in Jesus' name, we are doing the same thing. We are coming to the Lord and God and saying, we have sinned, please forgive us in Jesus' name. We're, we're 
passing through the blood of Jesus again to get that forgiveness and that salvation again. Because we're imperfect people and we make the same mistakes. That's The Old Testament is so good for just showing how we are in our nature. Um, we, we act like the Jews, sometimes even I will say things that make it sound like the Jews and the Israelites, well, what was wrong with them? Well, nothing. They were just human. Like the rest of us, that's, that's all it is. It's the same thing we all go through. I'm going to continue on. Now the sons of Israel moved out and camped at Oboth. They journeyed on from Oboth and camped at Laabarim. That is the best pronunciation I'm going to do. In the wilderness facing Moab toward the sunrise. From there, they set out and camped in the Wadi Zered. From there, they journeyed on and camped on the other side of the river Arnon, which is in the wilderness that extends from the boundary of the Amorites. For the river Arnon is the boundary of Moab, between Moab and the Amorites. That is why it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, Waheb and Sufa and the wadis of the Arnon River and the slope of the wadis that stretch toward the site of Ar and leans to the border of Moab. From there the Israelites went on to Beer. That is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, sing to it, the well which the leaders dug, which the nobles of the people hollowed out, with the scepter and with their staves. Sta- well, it says staves. I would say staves for a proper plural, but that's just me. And from the wilderness, Israel journeyed to Matana, and from Matana to Nahaliel, and from Nahaliel, to Bamath, and from Bamath to the valley that is in the field of Moab, to the top of Pisgah, which looks down on the wasteland. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn away from the road into field or vineyard. We will not drink the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway until we have crossed your border. But Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his border. Instead, Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel in the wilderness and came to Jehaz, and he fought against Israel. Then Israel struck the king of the Amorites with the edge of the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok as far as the Ammonites. For the boundary of the Ammonites was strong. Israel took all these cities and settled in all these cities of the Amorites in Heshbon and in all its towns. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and had taken all his land out of his hand as far as the Arnon. That is why those who use Proverbs say, Come to Heshbon, let the city of Sihon be built and established, for fire has gone out of Heshbon, 
a flame from the city of Sihon. It devoured Ar of Moab and the lords of the heights of the Arnon. Woe, judgment is coming to you, Moab. You are destroyed, O people of the god Chemosh. Moab has given his sons as fugitives, that is, survivors of battle, and his daughters into captivity to Sihon, king of the Amorites. We have shot them down with arrows. Heshbon is destroyed as far as Dibon, and we have laid them waste as far as Nophah, which reaches to Medeba. Thus Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. Now Moses sent men to spy out Jazer, and they overthrew its villages and dispossessed the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up by the way of Bashan, and Og the king of Bashan went out against them, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. But the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have handed over him and all his people and his land to you, and you shall do to him just as you did to Sihon king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the sons of Israel killed Og and his sons and all his people until there was no survivor left to him, and they took possession of his land. So this should have been a lesson to the people where the Israelites just wanted to pass through their land, and they would have done so. Would they, would they have been perfect? Probably not. But they would have done so mainly peacefully without doing a lot of damage. But because these kingdoms, because these other peoples reacted against them and wanted to prevent them and stop them, they ended up suffering the consequences. They could have allowed the Israelites through, but they didn't. And so it's kind of a lesson for all of us to kind of be mindful of the plight of other people. And when they say, look, we just, you know, we just want to do this. We just, you know, try to be kind and, and generous and allowing to those people. Now, of course, when people say they're going to do something and then they do something else or they break that, you know, that's a different story. But here, it seems like they're almost never given the opportunity to just walk through and to just pass through a place. They're, the people, the kingdoms almost always rise up against them. And I think part of it is you have a million people. Just imagine one huge group of, of a million people. And they're walking to you and they're going to come through. Now, we talk about our southern border in the U.S. And, and that is a problem and there's a lot that comes through there. But we're talking about a million people that's going to come through all at one time. All together. In a group, a concerted effort. So these people were worldly afraid of what would happen to their kingdom. However, they would have been better off to allow them to pass, knowing that God was on their side. And some of these people were descendants from folks who knew of God and knew that God existed and was with the Israelites. So 
They made some poor choices, and this is one of those. They definitely made a bad choice here. Uh, actually, I guess there's two. There's two victories here. There's two. There's the Amorites here, and there is, um, what is this? Og of Bashan, right? And notice that the Israelites basically took possession of their land and their cities. Now, I'm not sure how long they were there in those places, but at least for a time, they settled them and took them, and maybe they just camped there for a few weeks. We don't know. Whenever the Lord moved on, they followed him. So, it doesn't say here exactly how long. It doesn't say how long they stayed in the Amorites. Um, it does, I think it said that they settled it, though. Let me look here. Right. If you look in verse 25, Israel took all of these cities and settled in all of these cities of the Amorites in the Heshbon and in all its towns. Now, again, remember they were moving when the Lord moved, when the pillar moved, they would go. But as long as the pillar stayed on the tabernacle, they would stay. So, we're not sure how long they may have stayed here. It may have been a day, it may have been a few weeks. I don't think that really matters so much. But it was probably to give the people a chance to rest and, you know, get together. And then here they're going to they're gonna go back out. And the next time they try to cross through this uh, kingdom of Bashan with Og being the king, they have the same problem again. So the people probably need a rest between these battles as they travel. And the Lord is watching out for them. And again, they, they take and settle, you know, these towns. They took possession. Well, this one with Og, the king of Bashan, it says they took possession of his land. So, and that's where that ends, that they just took possession of his land. Now, this is the end of Numbers chapter 21. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.